<laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. This is Corey Hepler for the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast. Sorry it's been a bit since the last podcast. We've been gotten some things taken care of. We've gotten some creations we've been working on and some ideas. So uh, we've been patching up some things, so don't worry about it. We're going to be getting back on a regular schedule. Um, again, sorry for the hiatus. I'm here with the ever lovely co-host Jared Gifford, who so is pretty. Oh, so he's pretty! Fucking gorgeous. <laughs> I'd make out with you if I wasn't, you know, into women. <laughs> anyway, well, um, thank you. <laughs> we have an amazing episode to talk about tonight mm-hmm. because not only are we talking about how genres have basically multiplied over the decades Mm -hmm. but we're going to go back into the history where it was only a couple of genres that people were writing about and Mm -hmm. we're going to go into the multifacetedness of what it is today so do you want to start us off with basically some history as Mm -hmm. to how the novels came out first and who was writing what genre and kind of go throughout the decades um, yeah, oh no, I definitely uh, would love to do that. Um, although, I think we should probably at least get these things out of the way first, before we get into that. Um, let us take care of some announcements, any uh, any projects we're working on, any new announcements from Crazy Monkey Inc. Do you mm-hmm. want to go first? Because I know yeah. I have some announcements, oh, I, I know you've been um, biting at the chomps about some stuff. Oh, well, um, well, well once again, um, I'm, I'm near the end of Ronan Brothers number 6. I'm on that script. Um, I'm not going to give too much away, but I am starting to introduce some supernatural elements into the story. Um, you know, and uh, something to look forward to. And just so you know, I have been doing my research, so I have been studying up on Japanese uh, mythology and, and, you know, stories that they have about their demons and spirits. Um, and uh, um, so, so rest assured, this one will be thoroughly researched. Now, I will, I'm going to full-on admit, I will take a few um, creative uh, decisions of my own. Yeah. Um, but for the <clears throat> most part, it will be accurate. Um, anyway, uh, so that's something to look forward to. Check it out, uh, Ronan Brothers. And then hopefully we can get at least one issue of that out this year. Um, and, um, <clears throat> I do know that, uh, you and I had barely seen some stuff. There was also, once again, some more pages coming up from, um, Cadence Larkus Furious, Brian Jail Glasses book, and uh, the art's looking just phenomenal. It's, Samir Samal is doing a fantastic yeah. job. He's basically the predecessor of Victor Santos, who had originally done artwork mm-hmm. for um, Furious yes. at the Dark Horse um, entity when when Glass was over there. Oh, yeah, and and more than likely, Victor Santos would have come with him, but what happened was um, Victor Santos got involved in various other projects that he's uh, that he's been doing. One, which is called Polar, which, um, of those who don't know, actually became a movie over at Netflix. And yeah. um, I have yet to see it. Yeah. However, I'm hearing a lot of fantastic reviews mm-hmm. coming from it, So, which is giving me more hope to go and see it because... Yeah. If anything, Santos comes out mm-hmm. with fantasticness. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what he's doing. So I'm, yeah. uh, I have great expectations. 
Yes. Charles Dickens reference. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> for this um, Netflix original. Yeah. Because not only does Santos come out with amazing stuff, he's working with an array of gorgeous artists and writers and directors. It's funny. Coming back coming back to um, uh, Full Circle is one project that Victor Santos worked with both Michael Avon Oming and Brian G. L. Glass on is The Mice Templar, which is right now being developed into an animated series. Exactly. Um, we'll be keeping you updated on the further development to when that actually comes out because yeah. I know I'm excited to see the animated yeah. series because just reading the graphic novel... You can yeah. just tell it's going to have that secret of Nim vibe to it. Oh you know? yeah, well no, I can already tell. It's like a, <laughs> I've read, um, I've read the first four volumes of Mice Templar. Um, I still have to get the last three volumes, mm -hmm. but I will be getting that soon. Um, I know that you said that you hadn't got as far as I had, but you you had at least read the first volume, hadn't you? I've read the first volume. I would love to read the next three volumes over. Yeah. Um. I should be be able to get those in about a month because I've got some stuff I need to take care of. However, yeah. I, Brian J. L. Glass, mm -hmm. when he tells a story, he doesn't just paint you a mm -hmm. tiny picture. He's like beyond Bob Ross. Yeah, he, he like awesome. punches Bob Ross in the face and says, "I got this. <laughs> you can sit down now." Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so but uh, but either way, no, I'm I'm quite excited myself. But the uh, yeah, um, anyway, um, but yeah, what Samir Samal is doing with the the with the new, with the Furious project is, is great because you said he's perhaps have a, he's taken he's taken the torch from Victor Santos and now and now um and now Samir Samal is doing it and he's just yeah he's doing an excellent job and what I love about Samir Samal is um he gives it his own style. You can still tell that it's Furious, but you can basically tell it's Samir Samal doing Furious. It's not Samir Samal trying to copy Victor Santos. See, and that's one thing that I really love about Samir Samal is because it, it is Furious. You can completely tell that it is mm -hmm. of the storyline. Yeah. However, like we talked about with um, the junior and senior mm -hmm. of... The two that I can't fucking remember because I have a blank. Uh, John Romita. John yeah, Romita, senior and junior. Yeah, those guys. Terribly <laughs> sorry about that. It's an old age. I'm just going to yeah. chalk it down to that and having children. Anyway. um, You can definitely tell that just between their two styles, they're talking and drawing and writing about the same characters, characters but they give a completely gorgeous and unique twist, mm -hmm. just like Santos did. And just like Samir Samal is doing, so it's going to be the same story, same characters, but it's going to be a different, beautiful type flair to it. Um, well, yeah, basically, um, the way I'd call both their styles, well, Victor Santos and Samir Samal, stylized. Yeah. But uh, with Santos, I, I equate his as like, his is almost kind of like an abstract painting. Um, that's the way I describe what I've seen with his art. It's good, but it, yeah, it's, it's like, it's almost like the kind of stuff that you'd see from like a, yeah, almost like a, well, not, not exactly abstract because the characters aren't mixed up, but you know what I mean? Basically it's got that, that it, 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 it to me, it looks like modern art. Um, yeah. So you got and, a contemporary yeah. style and Samir Samal, his stuff looks really good too, but his definitely looks 
much more like um like classic comic book art. Mm-hmm. Um both are very good. And like I said, both have really great bits of art. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd equate Victor Santos almost feels like um, almost feels like something you'd paint on the canvas. Yeah. Um, and Samir Samal definitely feels like, you know, he's he's got that sort of legacy of comic book creators down and he's part of that legacy. And along with that, do you know another graphic novel that's going to be coming out soon? Mm-hmm. That not only is it getting 20 extra pages, mm-hmm. if you have gotten to read some of Stefano Cardicelli's work from Crazy Monkey Inc. that's yes. come out, Cherry Bullet, Atoli's Finder, you can just imagine the ferocity and <laughs> the amazingness that mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet River of Blood is going to be. Because this yes. graphic novel is going to grab you by the balls. And keep you there until the very last page. Oh yeah, well, and the, I think the best way to describe it is basically like think of the Romeo and Juliet story, but in a sort of cyberpunk setting. Yeah, and you and I are fans of cyberpunk, regardless yeah. of the fact. So that's yeah. just that just gives it an even better feel to it. You know, it, yeah. Regardless of the fact it's Stefano Caracelli slash, you know. The, the fantastic guy who's in fucking heavy metal magazine. I mean, yeah. how much more awesome do you have to get? Oh yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> and so those are, those are things being worked on. Um, we've, we've also got several other books in the pipeline that are, that, that are going to be happening this year. Yes. Um, don't have, don't have, um, for sure dates yet, but I can definitely tell you they are coming out this year. Um, and, um, as I said, uh, we got the both the projects working on. Oh, um, and I believe, and you don't have to give any too many details, but you can basically let them know. I believe you are working on a novelette. Yes, um, I'm going to be working on a novelette that's going to be coming out of Crazy Monkey Inc. sometime. I want to say during the summer or late summer, early fallish. Yeah. And it's. I'm not going to give anything away because it's going to be a surprise, mm-hmm. but it's definitely going to be something that Crazy Monkey Inc. is going to be branching out in. We're not only going to be doing comics, we're going to be doing novels, novelettes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're going to see an array and plethora of literature coming out that you can just grab your fucking hands on. And it's going to be like side stories of, mm-hmm. you know, something's going to be like Tax Cab Joe side story. Something's mm-hmm. going to be come, like a completely different side story or yeah. just something completely different. And then you're going to be doing some mm-hmm. novelettes and some novels of Darum and yeah. their side characters and how they, you know, came to see Darum and get into yeah. his crew. I'm and not, also like <laughs> yeah, I said, I won't, get, I won't give away too much, but I will let you know this is that <clears throat> one of the first projects I want to work on will be sort of... um. I, I guess sort of a prequel story. <laughs> it's basically going to talk. <coughs> it's basically going to um, talk about um, the uh, Captain Sargis and mm-hmm. basically his his history and kind of give you an idea of the universe before um, before um, uh, the Darum comic takes place. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then um, even give you a history as to how um, um, how the main villain. Um, basically takes control of the universe. See, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people are going to enjoy that because they're mm-hmm. going to get kind of like a precursor 
to what Darren the comic book is now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, anyway, I think that kind of uh, takes care of the announcements on that. So uh-huh. um, now um, I don't oh, want... Wait a minute, we haven't even talked about the website. What's the fucking website? I can't uh, remember, I can't remember so what sorry. the goddamn website is. Oh, uh, no, it's okay. No, no, you're good. Um, right now, right now, since we want to give people our comics direct and we're taking out the middleman, um, we just go straight to IndiePlanet.com. And uh, you you can do two things. One, you can look up Crazy Monkey Inc. and I'll have our entire line of Crazy Monkey Inc. comics. Okay. Or if there's a specific title you're looking for, maybe Ventures, The Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe. Or I've heard that's a good one. Yeah. Or Darum. You know, you can just look those up directly. But no matter what, just type in the search engine, whichever you want. Um, just you know, Crazy Monkey Inc. You'll find our entire line of comic books. Um, our digital copies are a dollar fifty. Our print copies are five dollars. Um, and you know, um, so just go there, check out that website. That's where you can buy our stuff. Um, and uh, you know, um, so um, I think once again, though, I think that takes care of yeah. uh, all the announcements. So I don't mind going to the history of different genres and whatnot. Um, now, I do actually know a little bit of history on that one. Um, interestingly enough, uh, for years and years, there really weren't what you'd call genres in books. Most of the time, you just basically had either books that were fiction or books that were not fiction. Yeah, they um, were just categorized yeah. between nonfiction and fiction. Yeah, and and they kind of just lumped everything together. Um that was actually a lot easier. It wasn't until I'd say <laughs> the uh, the nineteenth century, you know, the 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 Victorian era, mm-hmm. when they started putting down certain specific genres. But even that was still very small. That's when you started having things like horror books and romance novels and mysteries and uh, westerns, westerns. Um, and, Excuse me. You know, um, and uh, maybe even um, books based on mythology. Yes. Um, but that was basic. That was, those were your basic genres. Um, and it went. It actually kind of worked its way into the 20th century. 20th century um, added a few extra genres. That's when you started getting. Um, I mean, it started in the late 1800s, but it worked its way into the 1900s. Was uh, that's when you started getting science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when you started getting. Um, that's uh, you know that's when you started getting like your action adventure books, um, and um, and, uh, and 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 your new your noir books. Um, yeah, your noir came around like yeah. the 1920s, 1930s with the oh, oh, well, especially well, especially with the 1930s and the 40s. 1930s and 40s, the noir <clears throat> books were very popular. A lot of people love those things. I mean, that's where you start getting characters like The Shadow and whatnot. Um, and Dick Tracy. And, so, and Dick Tracy. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, anyway, um, and uh, or and then well, the the start of what they would call the dime store novels. You remember getting those? Like seriously? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we weren't of the age. We were no, no, but time, uh, but, but they still they still actually had those when we were kids because we were kids in the eighties. Yeah. But uh, but we still had those because I picked up a I actually picked up a group of Flash Gordon novels, and um and they were those kind of dime store novels. They uh-huh. were you know the real real they were the short books 
and uh, and they were probably anywhere from maybe 150 to 200 pages. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I, I remember I got that. I, I had got like a huge set of like the uh the the uh Conan books that had uh, they were based on the old Robert E. Howard books, but they would been rewritten by L. Sprague de Camp. You remember like the yellow coloring of the pages back then? Yes, the I remember they and when they used a different <laughs> paper back then. Interesting yeah. enough, what a lot of people don't know is that uh and, and they even had a different kind of sound when they would turn. Mm-hmm. When you turn those pages. I it was funny is I got a few of those old books myself and, the, and and you can even tell just the difference in sound and mm. even the difference in the way they the books smelled. The authenticity. Yeah. Um you know it's just yeah exactly <laughs> a lot of that. Um and um anyway um um, but uh, anyway, you get into the 20th century, and it's, it's I think it's uh, starting from the, um, I would have to say, um, oh, oh yeah, another genre that came to fruition in the 20th century. Um, it's a 20th century invention, but it's actually very good. One of the people who actually helped start it was J.R.R. Tolkien mm-hmm. um, and also C.S. Lewis, but uh, the fantasy genre took yes. root in the 20th century. Um, and... Um, a, um, and then uh, a spy novels. Spy novels became a thing. Can you remember the very um, first spy espi- novel? I think, I think they would call it espionage. Espi- espionage, yeah. It wasn't yeah. spy yet. It was just espionage. Espionage, but, but that kind of thing. Um, well, and, and t- t- well, and then some of those uh, some of those would be like James Bond. James Bond is in, in that. Um, many of the Tom Clancy novels are yes. in that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, um, yeah. If you're into the espionage type stuff, the, should... the Jason the Jason Bourne yeah. books, um, definitely look up yeah. anything basically Tom Clancy because he's yeah. freaking yeah does amazing. Like, well, and the, well, the Hunt for Red October was his very first. Well, one. and I would even suggest the, the 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 James Bond Ian Fleming books. You know, it, Ian Fleming, uh, you know, helped helped uh, bring about that genre. Um, and yeah, so that's another. Uh, genre that took root there, and they're very smart espionage books yeah. as well. They're very well written. And too. then um, something that um, came about in the '80s. This was a, an '80s invention. Was uh, cyberpunk? Yeah, cyberpunk uh, became a genre in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, and uh, uh, a genre that you could say had its origins with things like Jules Verne, but really became much of a thing uh late 80s and into the 90s and very much into today is a steampunk steampunk became a thing yes um uh let's see um and um and, and i'm trying to remember um and then for a while horror they used to lump all um um scary or supernatural books into one genre just horror um, another thing that's been branching out is the horror genre, especially nowadays, because not only is it just horror, but you have like, um, you have like the, uh, supernatural su- romance. The, yeah. The, 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 yeah. The, the supernatural romance, the, uh, the, 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 the supernatural teen genre, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, you even have the crime horror yeah. type where, um, yeah. the, the detective will pair up with a supernatural being to solve crimes. Oh yeah, and oh, and it started out in the '80s, and it's very much works way nowadays. But then another genre that's uh, another subgenre that's come out nowadays is the sci-fi horror. Yeah. Oh, you remember the sci-fi horror that came out? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, aliens. Yeah, um, I think like, oh. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, that was a, that was a genre that came about sci-fi horror. Um, and, and you're right, Alien. Um, and uh, but there was a lot of books that were coming out um, that, that dealt with that same kind of thing. But basically, it was either like um, that's when you started getting stories about like weird alien creatures, like killing people or infesting their bodies or something or body, or, body snatchers was a good one too oh yeah and uh um but uh um um but that was tale of the body snatchers that's what it was uh invasion of the body snatchers In, yeah invasion and, of the body and, snatchers. and that you could say it was a precursor was a precursor to that. Mm -hmm. um, but what I'm saying is, is it really took root really in the 1970s, late 1970s and going in the 1980s. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, that was when you started getting that. And that was when you started to have like, uh, like, like uh, robots that would basically, um, that, that would go haywire and try to kill everybody. Um, yeah. Isaac um, Asimov uh, yeah. with his iRobot series was very... In that thing, and once, once again, I love it because that's another precursor to mm -hmm. that. But exactly. then, but then you started getting, um, then you started getting stars like, like, like you know, I mean, I know it's a movie, but it's still this kind of thing. But they get like the Terminator that could be kind of place in that genre just because you have a, basically a deadly machine that wants to kill humanity. Yeah. But but, uh, but, uh, listen, but it's listen. in the same vein. It's like in the same said. vein, but 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 I, I, something that's a little bit more horror oriented, and I'm trying to remember. Um, oh. You do remember the movie Hardwire? Well, who doesn't? Hardwire yeah. was awesome. Yeah, uh, but, but basically, <laughs> for those who don't um, don't know, it was uh, it was the story of basically it's 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 based in this kind of cyberpunkish future, and what happens is there's this guy he um, um, well it's kind of cyberpunk meets um, post apocalyptic. Yeah, it's a little of both. It's it a little was. of both. Um, and then anyway, uh, the main character basically goes out looking, and he finds these robot parts and assembles a, a, a sort of this um, cyborg uh, as a present for his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And um, what happens is is that um, is that um, she ends up basically getting locked in this house with this killer robot. Um, and, 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 and it just ends up killing a bunch of people. And then, you know, uh, she almost ends up dying at the end. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's one of those movies that, you know, it, it worked on that whole thing. It was a science fiction horror movie yeah. because it was science fiction. And the fact that, you know, they were in this future and there was all this, uh, high technology, but it was a horror. in the fact that basically you had the classic <laughs> horror scenario of basically this person who's basically trying to run away from this. This, the, from, from this ultra scary being. Mm -hmm. um, and anyway, um, but yeah, that was another subgenre that popped up. Um, um, you know, um, there's just so many subgenres, and I can't even keep track of them all because sadly, there's um, sci-fi westerns as well, which are oh, exactly. really cool. And that's actually, then that's another subgenre <laughs> that's popped up uh, within the last little bit. Is mm -hmm. basically it's you know westerns with that kind of sci-fi twist to it, you know. Yeah. Um, but then they even do the, the hell. They even I mean, we're living in a day and age, and you and I just barely had this conversation not too long ago. We're living in a day and age where you could make a a uh, you could make a western horror book. You could like you could have cowboys fighting against zombies. <laughs> We're living in a day and age where you can do that. Well, sexy zombie hunters is basically a sci-fi zombie 
comic. Well, and then uh, it's a well, sci-fi horror comic, basically. Well, well I think it's it, you can't just place <laughs> one label on it because you the the crazy adventures it's going to have because it's like you tell me it's, it's got horror elements, it's got comedy elements, it's got freaking um, it, it's got sci-fi elements, it's got western elements, it's got like historical elements. It's, yeah. Um, I don't think you can really pluck that down onto one genre. I think it pretty much fits safely into any space. This is true because, like you said, there's multifaceted yeah. genres within that comic. So I mean, I, I I'm I'm running a very interesting, funny line with that yeah. comic. <laughs> However, one one individual in particular mm -hmm. that I feel has not only branched out beyond horror, yeah, but has also stamped his label. On fantasy, science he's fiction, science fiction, and um, even a tad bit of romance because yeah. Gerald's game was actually quite interesting, and Rose Matter yeah. with Stephen King. Yeah, see, <coughs> I, I know exactly who you're getting at. And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. He's actually branched out into various different genres, and uh, while he will always be known as the horror king, yes. Um, the thing is, is that yeah, he's written various different books in various different genres. And and he's proven that he's not just a guy who writes one genre. And the Dark Tower series, that's probably one of the most prolific fantasy mm -hmm. series that he's come out with that you say, hey, have you ever read anything fantasy by Stephen King? Yeah. The Dark Tower series immediately pops up. Oh, yeah. Well, and it goes back to the Stephen King episode that we recorded. But, uh, uh -huh. you know, one of, the, one of the reasons he branched out into other genres was, uh, well, I mean, first off, uh, he wanted to try other things other than horror. But then another thing was happening is, uh, especially this happened in the 90s, was uh, he said that his daughter did not like any of his horror stuff. And, and, you know, and, and she loved him and everything, and she was his daughter, but she, yeah, she did not like his horror stuff. It was his son who liked his horror stuff, and yeah. his daughter was basically, uh, you know, she was into the fantasy stuff, you know? She was, like, into the elves and unicorns and... and, and dragons and, dragons stuff, and like stuff And so, one of the things he did to kind of test out the genre before he went full-on with Dark Tower was he tested the genre with uh, Eyes of the Dragon, and... Um, and, and and his daughter loved it, and then he basically that's when he got into his foray into writing uh, fantasy books, mm -hmm. and then um, it, you know um, and and he actually had toyed with a few other genres before, and once again I believe we had gone over this before, but yeah. he also toyed with the science fiction genre, but unfortunately we, he tried this in the eighties, and and the book companies were just saying no, you can't, you can't, you have to write horror, and that was when he came up with the pseudonym Richard Bachman. And then uh, wrote his sci-fi stories under the Richard Bachman name. Now, what's interesting is uh, you look at all of the sales from just him being Richard Bachman. Mm -hmm. He had more sales in the 80s as Richard Bachman than he had had as his original Stephen King mm -hmm. um, when he had first started writing. Well, Which is it, weird. When, when said, well, actually, there's uh, several reasons behind that. And once again, I'm, I'm not going to go into too much detail because we've no, already didn't. covered most of this in the Stephen King episode. Uh -huh. But I do know that one thing was is that he signed he signed some contracts in the 70s, which basically was screwing him on the amount of money he got. Um, and then um, when directors would come to him with movie ideas, he once again 
foolishly signed contracts that basically screwed him out of a lot of the royalties and then a lot of the input he could have had on those movies. True. Um, and uh, so what happened was is that, yeah, um, because of bad business decisions he'd made in the 70s, that's why in the 80s he was more apt to basically put give more control over what he did. Yeah. Um, and... Um, and anyway, um, uh, but yeah, he, he was an example of another person who branched out. Um, I, you know, um, but, uh, but either way, um, uh, going back to the subgenres discussion, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I said, you, you, we are pretty much living in a time period and, and this is where, I mean, it gets exciting, but then also, um, it's, it's just goodness bad and I'll go on those points as well. Well, it gets confusing. Yeah. Um, the good thing about all the various subgenres we have nowadays is you, you could you could basically have a story where where a boy where or a where a boy has a pet shark and he uh, and he basically uh, and he um, and he basically solves crimes on Mars. <laughs> there's a genre. I'm, I'm sure somewhere there's a genre for that. God damn it. Um, <laughs> but but as you said. The the flip side of that is I do believe it does get really confusing. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem with having so many subgenres as to maybe having more of a broad array of genres is that is that unfortunately people now expect you to be more sort of enclosed in this little box of basically oh you're into this genre so you have to meet the stipulations of this genre um whereas uh whereas like basically uh back in the day like when we were growing up writing and and the genres were a little more broad yeah um the whole thing was was that nobody would basically say oh no that's not how you do that's not how you do well i mean there still would be people complaining all over the place but for the most part what i'm saying is for the most part you didn't have a whole lot of people basically saying oh no that's not how you do sci-fi or that's not how you do horror or that's not how you do this and that because the genres were a bit more wide now that they have so many sub-genres you know the whole thing is is now basically say you're writing a steampunk novel if you have anything in there that's not that that's not considered to be part of steampunk <laughs> then you're gonna have all sorts of people complaining at you, like you are ruining the genre. That's not how steampunk works. See, and I don't believe that authors should feel, or writers, yeah. should feel that they need to be boxed in because of a, genre, a certain type of genre. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's that's the thing about it. Is uh, so once once again, like I said, you, it's your good with your bad. Because one thing I am glad, as I said, I'm so glad that we have so many more genres and that we're living in a time period we can have this completely ridiculous story and there's most likely a genre for it i'll drink to that yeah but as we said because there are so many uh, specific subgenres the whole thing is, is if you are writing something within a specific subgenre now people are more picky as to how you write it it's it's interesting because you look at the genres that came out before you like yeah. you know like your westerns your noirs and all your other ones yeah people knew that when they picked up a novel or whatever from you know mm-hmm. herbert or whoever or card or however whoever you wanted to read that you were King. reading yeah that you were reading that genre and there were very finite ways in how that author should write that genre yeah now, when you have this 
multifaceted genres within mm -hmm. these genres yeah. that are already concrete and out there, you have basically given liberty and um, basically consolidated how you can write something mm -hmm. and said, okay, as long as it's not a piece of shit, yeah. write it. Yeah. Because now you don't really have rules. Now all you have is just the writing structure. Yeah. And as I said, as things became more and more subgenre, and it happens with so many different things, because oh, um, it doesn't just apply to writing in books. Yeah. But you, you've seen it in film, you see it in music, you see it in so many other things that now have so many subcategories of. Music, especially. Things. I mean, you see all the, like, metal. How many fucking subgenres you got? Thrash metal, a, speed metal, doom metal, heavy metal. It used to be just one genre, and that was heavy metal. Heavy metal, that was it. One, yeah, it was just the one genre, heavy metal. <laughs> but then, but then, you know, you ended up having not just not just heavy metal, but now, as you said, yeah, yeah, exactly, subgenres. Now you've got doom metal, you've got black metal, you've got death metal, satanic you, metal. Yeah, satanic metal. You got freaking. Um, you, you've got progressive metal. You've got power metal. You've symphonic got metal. symphonic metal, which is, <laughs> which is hilarious. It was like because power metal is a subgenre of metal, and symphonic metal is a subgenre of power metal. Exactly. So it's a subgenre of a subgenre. So it's basically the subgenre's bastard son. Yeah. That just like went off and said, "I'm gonna do my own thing. Fuck you, Dad." Uh, exactly. <laughs> but but it's like you have so many other things like that. And yeah, and just, you know, you have the new wave of British heavy metal. <laughs> you have the new wave, new wave of bad. American metal. You have a uh, you have freaking uh, thrash metal. Yeah. You have um you know uh, uh man what else is like uh, you have new metal. You uh, yeah you have post core grind metal. You can, yeah, grindcore. <laughs> grindcore. Grindcore. Yeah. That's a metal genre. <laughs> it's like a, a for those who don't know grindcore is. Um, is a one second subgenre because it goes all the way back to punk. Yeah, punk music happened in the seventies, and then and then what you had was punk, post punk, hardcore. Yeah, which was sort of the son of post punk and punk, <laughs> and then and then grindcore, which was sort of the son of hardcore. <laughs> and I'm not picking on anybody that likes grindcore, but I couldn't fucking listen to that if no. I was deaf. No, that's the whole thing. I was never able to get past hardcore. It's like I, because I, I, I got a lot of things in there. I've, I've, I like. I said I like a lot of punk bands. I like a lot of hardcore bands. Uh -huh. But I could never get into grindcore because grindcore was just like, okay, this, uh, this is about as far as I'm getting with my punk here. <laughs> now. Um, but anyway, it's just but it goes with subgenres. But they said they even do it with movies, books. But it's like everything has like a subgenre, and then and then nowadays we have like subgenres of subgenres. I mean, hell, we're probably now down to like the great grandchildren of a subgenre now. <laughs> now, how fucking complicated does it have to get where you stop and you say, "All right, we've, we've got, got way it. too many genres. We need to either cut some fat, or we need to just stop." That's it. No more fucking subgenres. This is what you get to deal with. Yeah. So just fucking quit crying about it. I think each it. has. I said. I think each has its benefits and 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 and, and its liabilities. Um. I think the benefits of having so many genres. 
um, is <clears throat> the fact that, as I said, you can write anything you want, and there's probably a subgenre for it. Yeah, there so is. You, so you know exactly which section it's going to go into. But, but, the flip side of that, and here's where the liability is, is that, as you said, it gets confusing with so many subgenres. Exactly. And it gets to the point where it's just like, okay, is it going to be in room in the bookstores for how many fucking subgenres we have? And you, you look at even... Even um, diverse genres that are coupled together, like you got your horror sci-fi, you got your supernatural romance, you got yeah. your thriller suspense, you got all of these different ones that are great on their I'll, own, I'll, but then they're like, hey, let's couple this shit together and see how, see what happens. Well, yeah, yeah, as I said, uh, it is funny, because it's like, it used to be just, uh, when it started out, just two genres altogether. It was fiction and non-fiction. Yeah. Started out with that, and then it just kept working away. It was like I said, we started getting more and more and more and more and more. From the 1800s clearing up until nowadays, we just added more and more and more genres until basically, he's like, seriously, I don't even know if they're going to have enough stands in, like, libraries and bookstores anymore for how many how many subgenres we have. You know, back in the day, the Dewey Decimal System with fiction and nonfiction was really yeah. fucking easy to follow. Yeah. Now it's just, I, I think Dewey's rolling in his grave being like, I didn't create this for this kind of shit! Even he would be confused. He'd be like, but what the hell? Wait, wait, I had a simple system, and now, now you made it even more complicated. You go, you fucking retards. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, hell, you know. But uh, but once again, as I said, so you take your good with your bad. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I think they should simplify it more and just have, like, just, you know, just, just keep it to where it's like, I know where to go. I, if I'm looking for a book on the, if I'm looking for a, if I'm looking for a sort of a, a you know, sort of a scary supernatural book, I'll know to look for that in horror. Yeah. But once again, subgenre so much these days. Now I have to look for it specifically. It's like, well, is it written for teens? Because then I'd have to go to teen supernatural. Yeah. Or, but is it like, or is it written for everybody? Then I'd have to go to the mainstream horror aisle. You mm -hmm. know, or uh, is or is it um is it you know, or, or does it deal with torture? Because I think, you know, there's even a genre for that. You don't have to go to the BDSM genre. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you said torture, my bad. No. Oh. <laughs> That's not what you meant? No, well, I guess you could. But the whole point is, <laughs> the whole point is, is that, you know, it's just, it's all the place it gets confusing. Um, so, you know, personally, I like them to make something more simplistic, but even if they go more complicated, well, you know, the thing is, is that there's an old saying... And, uh, and and I've tried to live by it, but basically the old saying is adapt or die. And, Pretty you know, much. as hard as it is and as frustrating as it gets, I'd rather adapt to the system and know how it works than to fight against it and then inevitably just get left behind. Yeah, because then you just look like a loser. Oh, yeah. I mean. <laughs> ah. <laughs> hey, I've got a great idea. What's that? Why don't we do our picks for comic and uh novel right now and then we can have like the rest of the time to just banter about the rest of this okay well i, I don't mind if we get that out of the way quickly uh do you want to go first or i'm gonna uh, go oh first? no I, I can go first okay. uh, you know um let's see and uh in terms of uh let's see let's see in terms of novels um let's see 
You've read about as much as I have. All right, well, this problem, yeah, the problem is, is I've read too much. <laughs> yeah, it, that's why it's so hard to pick books, you know, because like I'm gonna have to. I, I go through like a, I, I go through like a, a list in my head. So once again, you talk about the Dewey Decimal System. I'd sit here flipping cards in my head. I'm like, okay, which one? Cards of the Dewey Decimal System. I'm not yeah. even gonna go into that. Go ahead. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> no. Just, uh, oh Jesus. You know, um, <laughs> the um, you know, like I said there's so there's so many great stories out there. Mm -hmm. Um, but let's see, you know. When in doubt, I always try to go back to my childhood favorites. Um, and um, there was um, one one book, one book that I would actually recommend goes another childhood favorite, and they actually made a movie out of it. Mm -hmm. Was where the red fern grows. Okay. Yeah. That's um, a sad book. Why you gotta yeah. pick a sad book? Mm. Jesus. But uh but anyway, um well well what I like about it is it's a coming of age story. Mm -hmm. It's a story of about a boy becoming a man. Um and uh and, and and when you really look at it, that's the essence of the story. Yeah, no, it's sad what he has to go through. Yeah. But when you really look at it and break it down to its bare bones, um the thing is is that where the red fern grows is a very good story about coming of age. Um, and, uh, anyway, that's, that's my novel recommendation. Um, as far as comic books go, I am going to suggest the Savage Sword of Conan. Um. Good pick. Oh, yeah. And I'm talking about the original run that they, uh, that they had back in the 70s. Um, and, uh, and, and just, just so you know, because they've actually, for those who don't know, they've actually restarted those over at marvel um but there's a difference between conan now and then savage or conan now whereas they were back then back in the 1970s when they started um conan the barbarian was basically sort of their mainstream conan book and even though it was you know had conan and had conan the barbarian stories in it um it was the more tame version of conan yeah and then savage sword was basically your unadulterated sort of um gory um magazine style comic book that basically it was like you had your you had your regular conan then you had your adult conan didn't um, adult conan have the conan of the cimarron well, no, they were both the same thing. Yeah. But I said one was different. Basically, what you had was like think of. I was just trying to think out of think of th think of it this way. <clears throat> Regular Conan was like your PG Conan. Yeah. Savage sort of Conan was your straight up rated R Conan. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. My bad. Yeah. And the difference nowadays is because because comic books have evolved and 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 more people have enough time knowing what's a mature title and what's not mm -hmm. um what they've done now is because they do still have conan savage sword of conan but now they've changed the format to basically be that um the conan books nowadays um with is like conan the barbarian is basically it's the conan character but they're original stories from the people writing them true um Savage Sword of Conan are basically stories based off the Robert E. Howard source material. Yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, because so, uh, but I understand why they changed it because, like I said, nowadays the, the nowadays the standard for comics is different. Basically, it's just like you don't have to sit there and basically be like, "Oh, here's the adult Conan and here's the kid Conan." It's basically like, uh, it's basically like, okay, this is a Conan. He's a barbarian. He's a very mature character. If your kids are reading this, you're a stupid person. <laughs> 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 so yeah that's so that's that's my that's my pick is the classic savage sort of conan which collected some of those great classic ones and it was it had great stuff from awesome artists like like john buscema mm -hmm. who did an awesome uh, awesome job on it uh, uh roy thomas wrote some great scripts yes um you know it, it, it was just great so just yeah tech, check that out anyway uh what about you what are your novel and comic book recommendations? Um, one of the novels that I'm going to be reading soon, um, <sighs> Katie Hagemann, she's part of the, um, the Team Alpha Force, mm -hmm. uh, from a group that I am in. Mm -hmm. And she's a fantastic writer. She's got a children's book that's coming out. She's got an older children's book that's, you know, she's already released. Mm -hmm. um, that is gorgeous. I love it. Mm -hmm. And she has written the first book in her um, adult novel series called The Awakening. Nice. And, well, I haven't read it yet. And I'm sorry, Katie. I am getting to it. <laughs> I still love you. You're an amazing person. Um... I'm totally 100% sure that when people get this book, they're going to love it because she has such an imagination. She has a great way of making the characters come to life. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably the best thing that I love mm -hmm. about Katie's writing yes. is the fact that she writes in a way that people will be able to understand what she's trying to convey. Oh, yeah. She's not a complication type writer. No, which is great. That's actually a good thing to be. Um, anyway, um, so that's, that's, that's good. So I love that. Uh, what about your uh, comic book recommendation? Comic book recommendation? Oh, there's so fucking many. I know. <laughs> oh, I've read so many comic books. This isn't funny. Um, I'm going to recommend kind of an older one. Yep. Because not only is it one that you and I have read, mm -hmm. but it's one that's actually kind of sad. Yeah, which is? Um, the X-Men uh, Dark, uh, Dark, Phoenix, Dark Phoenix Saga. Nice, nice. No, that's really good. And then for those who are not familiar with it, um, and first off, if you're not familiar with it, what the hell is wrong with you? I know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but, but <laughs> it's a classic Chris Claremont story. And Chris Claremont, you, we both, you and I agreed, he's got to be the best X-Men writer who's ever been on X-Men. Oh, of course. Um, and, uh, and the Dark Phoenix Saga was, um, was basically a story and it was, uh, it was, it was done. Uh, and this was also, once again, you had a, you had like the, one two punch of basically because you had two great creators on the book at on X-Men at the time. You had Chris Chris Claremont writing and you had John Byrne doing the art. Um and if you're a and if you're a fan of John Byrne, 
You're going to love this run regardless. Oh, yeah. And once again, it, you, and you probably you know this because like, let me put it this way. And I would also suggest if you if you know if you love John Byrne, check out his Superman run as well. Um, exactly. And uh, anyway, um, but yeah, it was when Chris Claremont was working with John Byrne. And, uh, and, and basically the, the story behind Dark Phoenix is that, um, is that, um, um, to catch people up, um, because they have to introduce the Phoenix first, was that, um, the X-Men had gone into space, and, and after the Cosmic Adventures, what had happened was, um, the, uh, the, the whole ordeal had basically awakened, um, a lot of genes, um, telekinetic and telepathic abilities uh-huh. and um latent in there was an entity known as the phoenix which basically was like it basically upped all her powers to like the nth degree mm-hmm. um and uh and anyway what happened was is that um there were some there were some bad uh, there were some evil mutants who were basically able to manipulate her and basically um um manipulate her mind so that um so that the phoenix turned evil and yeah. uh and then she basically <laughs> decided that she was going to you know cleanse the universe and what's funny is during that entire process um bless his heart professor mm-hmm. xavier had taken her under his wing and tried to help her fight the mm-hmm. dark powers of the dark phoenix so that yeah. it wouldn't overtake her mm-hmm. sadly um it was to no avail and the dark phoenix rose and it in the end sadly um and uh, spoiler for those who've never read it but in the end sadly this basically killed off the gene character for several years in the 80s yeah and um and she was actually uh um, she was actually replaced with another character who was like a clone of her for a short period. Yeah. But that's another story. Um, anyway, um, anyway, um, but yeah, no, great phenomenal run, still worth it, still check it out. I mean, it's awesome. Um, and, and in fact, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to match you on that one because it totally reminded me of another great story. Another one that, um, because you and I talked about how we loved crossovers between um, DC and Marvel back in the day. Oh, yeah. One Great crossover. Not a lot of people remember it, but I actually have the issue that this had. It was a it was a um, Teen Titans X Men crossover. I don't have that one anymore, but I yeah. used to. I know exactly yeah. which one you're talking about. And uh, basically, um, uh, try to make a long story short. Um, um, in this crossover, um, um, Dark Side. Um, from the DC universe, Darkseid actually gets, uh, actually, actually, um, teams up with the Phoenix. Uh-huh. Him and the Phoenix are basically, they're going to recreate the universe for themselves. And basically what happens is, is that, um, the, uh, the X-Men, um, the, the X-Men and the Teen Titans both end up working together because each is going after a certain villain and then both decide, oh, hey, since we're kind of, well, since both of these villains have teamed up, we might as well team up ourselves and fight these these guys because you know the Teen Titans were going after Darkseid, mm-hmm. and um, and the X Men were going after Phoenix. And since they were coupled up, it made yeah. sense for both yeah. teams to get together and go for the same thing. And yeah, and this was classic. Uh, this was like uh, well, not I mean, it was 
the team the, the the teams that they had were ones that people would consider to be classic versions of characters and, you know some some might disagree with me but most people will remember this because like you had you had the x-men with like cyclops and wolverine and colossus and 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 um nightcrawler and storm yeah. um and um you know and and an angel um you had um you had uh the Teen Titans team with Robin and Beast Boy and Starfire and Cyborg and Raven and uh, Kid Flash. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, no, it was really great. So you basically had, you had these two teams, you had these two teams that were basically considered like classic iterations of the teams. And they were working together to stop two classic foes from both universes. I mean, you know, DC's Darkseid and, and Marvel's Phoenix character. And it was just it's a beautiful story. It's it's a one shot comic and I and seriously, I I I dare you to go out and find this one. If you're not impressed, well then you know, seriously, you 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 have you you have gotten impossible standard if this does not impress you. <laughs> um yeah. Anyway, I guess we uh, back on the subgenres before we uh, before we get off. Um, we should probably wrap it up. Um, well, okay, well, no, but uh, we we can cap it off with the subgenres. We've got a few minutes because uh, okay. I know you wanted. Yeah, I know you did want to touch on that. Um, um just a, a quick question for you. Uh huh. If there was a subgenre mm -hmm. that you would read to. <clears throat> Or say, mm -hmm. give a recommendation to what to someone who'd never read that subgenre. Mm -hmm. What subgenre would you pick? And see, that's kind of a that is a hard question, but uh, um, because one usually tends to go with their own personal taste. Um, that's not a bad thing, mind you. No, 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 because everybody's <laughs> got everybody's got their own taste. Oh yeah, of course. Um, the you know um, and. Uh, you know, it is it is it is hard to kind of recommend something because you do know this. It one of the hard things about picking a genre is, or even picking a book within that genre, is that you know that if you're telling somebody who doesn't know about that genre, the book you recommend is going to be everything they base that entire genre off of. So if it's a bad experience, they're probably never going to want to touch that genre again. But if it's a good experience and they end up having the same um, the same experience as you, then you know they're going to love that genre like you love that genre. Um, True. So, But if I had a subgenre that was personally my favorite and that I'd recommend a book in, um, um, that would probably be... Um, something within the um sci-fi genre okay more specifically um uh more specifically things that are um more space operas um like captain the, harlock yeah exactly and if i was going to recommend anything uh, in that genre captain harlock would be one thing i'd recommend now i know more more than likely people are going to start getting technical on me and basically say that's not a novel that's a manga but it's still a book it's still a story and you can still read the damn thing yeah don't get all fucking nitpicky on yeah <laughs> and, and and that's what i'm saying and i would recommend that as one um and um and 
And then another one would definitely be, um, I would recommend anything in the Dune series. I would recommend the entire Dune series regardless, yeah. even like the I mean, offshoots that his son did. Oh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but definitely start start them out with the first book, the yes. very first one. If they can get through that, they can get through the rest of them. Yeah, if you can um, get through that, they can get through War and Peace. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, what about you before we wrap it up? What's a subgenre that you would recommend and maybe a book within it? Um... Supernatural romance, just because I love romance books and I love the supernatural, so when you put them together, it's almost like a beautiful coupling. Yeah. So, and someone that I would recommend is, uh, I, I know I hold her in high regards, it's just because she's such a fantastic writer and author mm -hmm. and friend, Sarah Bailey, the After mm -hmm. Dark series. Yeah. You can go to Amazon.com, write, type in Sarah Bailey... Or yeah. the After Dark series, and you'll find Demon's Destiny, Destiny, Vampire's Kiss. You'll find um, a whole bunch of others. She's working mm. on an adult um, series. I cannot give anything away because She'll kill I you. swore to secrecy <laughs> and that I would fly over to Scotland and she could flog me as much as she wanted to. <laughs> if I said anything, so Sarah, I'm keeping with my word and not going to say a thing. However, I will tell you from what I have, the excerpts that I've read from what she is talking about and what she is creating right now and the aesthetic that I've seen, mm -hmm. I know it's going to be fantastic picture yeah. because she gets how to write not only mm -hmm. supernatural romance, but she gets how to write a character so that mm -hmm. you know exactly what that character's like and you can put yourself into the book as that character when you're reading it oh, that's no that's good and uh, no I, I definitely would say that as well because no she is a great writer yes um so um now that we've now that we've covered that i think i think now as you were saying for now would probably be a good time to start wrapping it up okay um you know, um, yeah, you know, definitely. Uh, and then, uh, want to plug, uh, want to want to plug our comic books again. Please check out Darren Captain of the Stars number one, two, and three. Please check out the Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe. You can find each of these over at IndiePlanet.com. Just type in Crazy Monkey Inc. That's Inc. with a K. And you will find Crazy Monkey Inc.'s whole line of comics, of which ours are included in there. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, just definitely go and check out our books there. Um, and, uh, anyway, um, and then, you know, tell your friends about this podcast. Once again, great thing. Anchors teaming up with Spotify, so from now on you should be able to get all our episodes. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, and uh, anyway, um, that's that's enough for me. So uh, you know, I'll I'll say goodnight to everyone. Have a good one. <laughs> oh, and we're going to be doing another podcast this Wednesday. Oh yes, yes. And once again, I know we've been delaying it and delaying it and delaying it, um, but I promise this Wednesday. <laughs> I, I do promise, and, and you can you know what you can kick my ass personally if we don't. This Wednesday we will do an episode on J. Michael Straczynski. You heard it here, folks. J. Michael Tchaikovsky. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you have a good one. All right, and we will see you, fine gentlemen and ladies, in the next episode.